to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrienne Garland, and I am incredibly excited to introduce my guest to you all today. Her name is Danielle Jeter, and she's the CEO and founder of AOI Events and PR and Women in Media Global. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here, too. Uh, when I, I first learned about you and everything that you were doing, I was so intrigued because you talk to women about how to scale their businesses, how to pitch their businesses, and I even think how to sell their businesses because I just saw something that you posted on LinkedIn about the incredible book, Built to Sell, which I have been talking about mm-hmm. a lot lately, so I want to get into that. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> so good, but I, I just love everything that you're doing and the fact that you are hyper-focused on media, entertainment, and art. So I would love to sort of take a step back and have you talk a little bit about your journey and how you got to this uh, stage of your career, which is entrepreneurship, and then helping women to also, you know, be successful in their entrepreneurial venture. So take us back. How d- how did you sort of start, and and what led you to where you are today? Okay, so I'm from Philadelphia, and um, at a young age. I started school in Philadelphia, but I finished school in South Jersey in a town called Willembro, New Jersey. But as a child, I was a, well, even now I'm a dancer. So I got my start in really kind of finding my passions and my purpose in life through being so committed to theater arts. So I started training at six years old. And I've done ballet, jazz, modern, African dance, hip hop. I even done tap for a little bit as well. And that allowed me to just begin to express myself in a different way, using that creativity, being in a community and environment where we had to work together, but also a very competitive environment where you had to prove yourself to actually get on the stage or to get that solo dance, or to be in the front of the the choreography, or be in the middle, right? So you've you've constantly had to show that you were improving, that you were studying, and that you wanted to be there so that you can shine. No one wants to dance in the back. Everyone wants to dance in the front. The front is reserved for the best dancers. So that's, you know, there I began to build a lot of character. At a young age, even around high school, I went from not just performing and dancing and doing choreography because I would do that too. I was a, I was a student leader in dance and theater. But there became a point in time where I was also very interested in how to actually put together a show. How do we produce a play? How do we do the marketing? How do we sell tickets so that people can come see us? 
how do we go down and get things sponsored that we need? At a young age, my brain started to really engineer the show. And so I then put another job with myself. So I was not just performing, but then I also became a part of the production team to make sure that these events and these shows will happen for my student body and for the community. And from there, you know, I've always allowed being an artist to, to really drive a lot of my decisions and passion that I have for life. So whenever it was time for me to make another decision, it was like, okay, well, I want to continue to create a life that I love, that makes me happy, that I don't have to sacrifice the things that I like to do, but I can still get up and do those things. And for me, it always would involve me being in dance or being in a, a, a community of performers. So I wanted to go to college where I could dance. In high school, I saw a movie called Drumline. Drumline inspired my decision to go to an HBCU and to go to one because I could dance in the band just like the movie. And so being from up north, that culture in the band, um, we didn't have that culture. That's a very down south tradition. So I said, well, I have to go down south and I have to do that. And I really want to do this. So I went to a college tour. I found Spelman College, went to Spelman. And I said, well, I want to go to a really great school. I want to go to a very competitive school. And Spelman just so happens to be the number one HBCU in the world, but wow. also, you know, a school that was founded to educate Black women. I said, this, is, this school was made for me. I'm yeah. going to go to the best school that I could go to for me. And I was able to do that. And I auditioned for the dance team. My freshman year, got onto that team and, again, continued to perfect my leadership and just being a great sister, being a great team member to all of the girls on the team. And I then got approached to be like a party promoter at college. Hmm. There was like different, you know, companies that were led by different members of the student body who would, you know, create party, the party scene for the college students in Atlanta. And Atlanta is a, is a great place for entertaining. Yeah. So... Because of my popularity on campus, because I was a dancer, they wanted to utilize me to, you know, in that capacity for their party promotion business. So I said, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> why not? <laughs> okay, yeah, why not? Like, let's do it. You know, they like, yeah. sound like a, a great money making opportunity for me at such a young age in college and I could party for free. Okay, that sounds okay. <laughs> and I took a, a, a great liking to it, but I, I've always wanted to create community, bring people together for a good time and just create an environment where people can network, exchange ideas and get to know different people and just have a very light and fun and positive environment. And that prompted me to then say, hey, you have leadership ability. You have a network now. People actually listen when you talk. Start a business. You know, maybe you could start a business that plans events and you can have customers who hire you to plan all types of great events. And uh, because I graduated during the recession in 2010, you know, it was like, oh, we're, are we going to get a job when we actually graduate college? You know, because because of what was happening in the market. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to actually sacrifice a year off from the dance team and I'm going to figure out how to launch a business so that just in case I don't get a job that I graduate college and I have a business and I actually can utilize my skill sets to bring in some income for myself. Wow. And that's exactly what I did. Um, around 19, 20 years old, I just began to take business classes at different um, at Morehouse College and different colleges. I went out and found a mentor. I wrote a business plan. And I just pulled on anybody who was in business or in finance 
who I knew could be a resource to me and just say, help me, teach me, show me, what am I doing? I want to do this. And I launched a business. That's incredible. That is (laughs) incredible. Just right there. I mean, like coming out of college, launching a business, so many people think that that's sort of like a risky path. And I love to tell them that it's it's not a risky path and it's really great. You you at first considered it like a backup plan, but it wasn't a backup. It was plan A. And and have you have you had that business ever since? Ever since. Wow. Ever since. <laughs> Congratulations. That is absolutely incredible. Wow. And so did the the business always did it it sort of started as events and then has it migrated into PR and, you know, other things? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, yeah, when they when the business first launched, it was solely events. I would do event planning and event staffing and um, event management for clientele. And then maybe maybe three years, three or four years later, I relocated back home to Philadelphia and I relaunched my business. And at that point, I began to add on the PR services because what Mm -hmm. happened was I went home and I began to intern at the radio station um, Mm -hmm. at Radio One because I knew that they had a marketing department and it had a promotions department. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I want to continue to establish myself as an expert in this area. So let me go get some more experience with some reputable companies. And when people began to see me at the radio station with the who's who, you know, in the studio, interacting, rubbing elbows with some of the big wigs in the city, they would say, hey, can you do my PR or can you do my marketing? And I said, well, I don't offer that service. Yeah. And then I got that call <laughs> several times and I said, well, maybe I should actually do that. Maybe I should offer yeah. this service. And so my best friend at the time, she was a student at Temple University and she was studying public relations. So she joined forces with me and built out a PR department in my business. Wow. And so now the PR is the whole business. We don't do as many events anymore. That 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 service has dwindled. But our flagship service is our PR. And what we do specifically is we do media placements for our clients who mm. tend to be B2B clients. I love that. Now, did the events portion dwindle because that's sort of the choice that you made or was that really solidified because of the pandemic? The pandemic was the reason why uh, it stopped. Yeah. And then when we came out of the pandemic, I said, I don't, I don't want to do the events yeah. anymore yeah. because as you continue to grow a business, You know, a lot of times we start out and we want to be so many things to so many different people. And we have too many offers. We have too many services. And so I said that, um, you know, I I began to take some some training and some coaching and some mentoring because I am scaling my business currently. And one of the biggest advices from all of, you know, highly successful multimillion dollar businesses is you have to hone in and specialize. You have to niche down. And so for me, it was a no brainer to niche down into the PR and media relations because that was already most of our business at that point. And it is COVID proof. (laughs) You know, we won't we won't get wiped out (laughs) in the event, you know, another pandemic or something like that could happen. And so I I made the sacrifice and said, okay, well, I'm going to hone in. And it was a great decision to do. I've, I've been able to 
really grow, really scale, really 10x my income, just being a specialist in this thing, you know? That's incredible. So the companies that you work for right now, what what type of companies does your PR business serve? It's a variety, but we really hone in on CEOs who have Mm -hmm. a founder's story that they want to tell and that they're mm-hmm. doing something that is really positive and impactful. So mm. um, we have a wellness division. We mm. also represent fintech or people in like finance. Mm. Financial services is a really big one. Also Web 3.0, that new space mm-hmm. of the cryptocurrency and metaverse. Mm. Um, that's a really mm. exciting um, niche for us. And then we actually, we also have a client who's into cannabis and fashion so he's a fun yeah. one. Um, <laughs> that's very fun to work on. So they 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 it's a variety of niches, but I would say that we we really hone in on several, which is women's interest, the fintech, mm-hmm. Web 3.0, lifestyle, and wellness. Mm, I love that. That is so exciting. And you're you're based out of Miami. I am right downtown Miami. Nice. <laughs> what is the uh, what what is that Lincoln Drive? Is that what it is? Lincoln Boulevard? Lincoln Road. Yeah. What is the one? Lincoln Road. <laughs> yep. South Beach. Where they all drive by and yeah, on the, uh, with their crazy cars with all the lights and everything. Oh, like Ocean Drive. Ocean oh, Ocean Drive. drive. Mm-hmm. Ocean Drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Lincoln Road is where all the shops Shopping are. Shopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I like Miami. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's so it's much fun. A lot of fun. It really is. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So this is so exciting. So you also, in addition to your PR company, you also run a community called Women in Media Global. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what its mission is? Yes. So Women in Media Global, um, our mission is to empower, equip, and encourage women to own their voices, just like what we're doing today mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yes. You know, being able to share your story, own your story, um, but also help other people and other women along the way. So it really has, you know, turned into an organization that is a sisterhood for women who are in media, entertainment, and business. And um, they utilize each other as resources, resources to maybe find new gigs, to to maybe do career shifting, um, to figure out how to improve their business or to just have a network of support. Because, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this industry is male dominated, but it's also male driven, meaning that there is an opportunity for more women to be in leadership and ownership positions in this industry, which is a billion dollar industry. You know, the the media and entertainment is is a really large part of our culture. So Mm -hmm. we just prepare women for leadership opportunities and give them the community and resources that they need to actually, one, believe that they can do it and two, to actually do it. Yeah. I love that. I, I mean, as you know, I'm in the media industry as well. She leads media, and my mission is in lockstep with yours, which is to help to promote women's 
voices, thoughts, and opinions in the media. And sort of what we're doing right here on my podcast, Sugarcoated, and then also on the She Leads podcast network is help women to understand that by having a podcast like this, that you are able to go really deep into your ideas and your opinions. And it's it's amazing to get on other people's media platforms, especially when the audience is much larger. But it's also complimentary, I think, to be able to have your own media platform, which is a podcast. So I'm always advocating for women to start podcast and do things like this, interview experts, talk about your own area of expertise. It really can help to build that woman's body of work so that, you know, if she wants to change it or transform it into a media story, an article, a book, anything like that, that she has that basis of content to work from. So uh, I just, you know, say that as something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I think it's so wonderful that, you know, we have access to these very inexpensive tools, equipment that allows us to do these things. And I think that one of the things that we need to do as women is sort of, you know, be bold, like be bold as you were bold. I think that, you had such an incredible upbringing and and that you were able to uh, find yourself through dance and that you had such a good experience and and you sort of took that experience and and looked at it from a really broad perspective it gave you what you needed to kind of move through the world and I just love and admire that so much. I, I wish that, you know, more women had these types of positive experiences when we were younger because we're so incredible and we do so much to like diminish ourselves and mm-hmm. not put ourselves out there. Yeah. And it's equally devastating when other women tear down other women and there's there's yeah. not a support, you know. And so organizations like yours and mine's also debunks that negative narrative about women not wanting to work together and women not supporting each other. And that also is a huge part of the work too, which will help Mm -hmm. everybody move forward when we, you know, come together as a, as a community, no matter, no matter our background, no matter our ethnicity, no matter where we came from, you know, but just as a human race, (laughs) just helping one another, you know, and, and coming together. But you brought up another extremely great point, which was using, you know, being able to support each other's platforms, say it's a podcast or a TV show so that she can build her body of work. And you never know where that, what that can do, you know, and the fact that we have so many ways to monetize our work now. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's a great avenue to just get the stories out, to get the narratives out. I agree in, in that, I want to see more women podcasters too. And when you look yeah. at the statistics, it shows we need more women podcasters. And I we, know, you know, we can't allow this medium to, to, we can't lose the opportunity in this medium because it's still a very young new space. We have opportunity yes. now to get in on the ground floor and not lose it versus, you know, what happened with all of the other media outlets in the past where now the, yeah. the, the playing field is even. It's not like it was in the past where you have to know somebody to get into broadcasting. You can, like you said, set up your show right on your computer, get a mic, get some headphones, and then call up some women. 
Call up yeah. some subject matter experts. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> and then you've got a show, right? And, and you then you've have got your show. body of work. And then all of a sudden, you know, your company is pitching my media platform because I'm a media platform too. So yep. I, I, it, it shifts the dynamic, which I think is so important. And I think that what you said about the fact that podcasting is still very new, I think there's some messages that are out in the media that podcasting is saturated. And while it's been around for a while, and while there are, you know, over a million podcasts and all that kind of stuff, um, not all podcasts are active. And there is still a lot of room for women to come in here and produce excellent content. So, you know, maybe a, a, a great takeaway from this particular episode is, you know, is, is not only think about the media that you can get in front of, some of the more traditional type of media that we think about, but also creating your own media platform, whether it's podcasting or a YouTube channel, you know, like like create your own thing because you have the ability to do it. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good message. <laughs> it is a very good message. And, and you can't care about the saturation everywhere. Everything is saturated. I mean, okay. Yeah. What I love about podcasters is they're so unique. You find so many different unique shows. And like you said, you have ownership. Now you you don't have to fit into a box or you have to create a show that fits into this network or into this lineup of programming on a traditional outlet or distribution. You own your own distribution. You could talk about anything you want. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> right. It's it's almost like there's so much like freedom that it's we're not used to it. We're used to like having to follow the rules and, you know, fit into this particular box. And and all of a sudden when you're given like, no, you can do anything. It's kind of like, oh, my gosh, like, what do I do? I never have almost been given that thought experiment. Like if I have the ultimate freedom, what do I do? I don't know, you know, because we don't, we weren't taught like that. We were taught to follow the rules, you know, stay in your box. Don't speak up. Don't, don't push yourself to the front of the, the, the dance troupe, right? (laughs) But it's like, that's the only way that you're going to really stand out and get ahead. So we have to definitely promote the message, you know, do the things that you need to do to get out and stand ahead, you know, stand a, a sort of, out there in front, but don't step on the rest of your troop in order to do that. Right. So I love that. I I would love for you to talk a little bit about what I just saw. You posted it, I think, a couple of days ago on LinkedIn about the book Built to Sell and, and what that means for you and your business as you're scaling and how others can also take some of the lessons from that book and apply it to their own business. Absolutely. That is a listen. If you don't have that book, you need to buy get, it. You need to get <laughs> it. You know, it's it really opened up my mind on how I think about what the future of my business looks like. And it brought to surface a topic that I wish we would talk about more in the entrepreneur space, which is succession planning. Right. Because if yep. you're an employee, you have the benefits of retirement planning, you have a retirement account and you, you know, you buy into something where you have an age that you can retire and you can, you know, sustain some sort of livelihood and lifestyle for yourself. But in business, you know, especially if you're building a business, maybe you you bootstrapped it or you're it's grassroots, you are the visionary and the founder. So it's a new business. It's no legacy behind it just yet. 
You know, mm-hmm. are you going to work for every the rest of your life? Like, is that what no. you want? <laughs> like, how do you want yeah. your aging years to look? And so for me, you know, I do have the two companies, but I'm focusing right now on AOI, Vincent PR and scaling this business because one, I've identified that it does have a scalable service. And two, because this is the bread and butter for me, it sustains my lifestyle, but it also helps women in media. You know, it's 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 a financer for the nonprofit because Women in Media is a nonprofit organization. So that's our nonprofit. So I say I have to make sure that I, you know, focus in on making sure that this can go to its max capacity. And so I've already shared with you all that I have so many gifts and skills and talents and there's so many other things that I want to do in my life. And it's just like, well, I probably won't be doing PR for the rest of my life, but I've already invested so much into this business. And what am I going to do with it? Do I just say, okay, I'm done with it and just go to the next thing? So this book allowed me to see that you can build a business that you can sell and that you should actually get into your mindset, even if you want to sell or you don't want to sell. Building a business in that framework shows how successful you are as as an entrepreneur, right? And it Mm -hmm. also, the conversations they were having in that book, when you read it, those are what I call seven-figure and eight-figure conversations. Those are conversations that mm. multimillionaires and billionaires have. You know, billionaires yeah. talk about, they, they have investors meetings. You know, they talk about buying other companies and who's going to buy my company. Whereas yeah. a lot of small businesses, we're just focused on getting the next customer. They're focused yeah. on their customer is the investor. Well, who's going to buy this business from me? Then I go build something else that you can buy for $25 million. That yeah. right there is mm. a mindset shift. Yes. You know, it's that, a- <laughs> I love that so much. I, I, I love how you call it the seven and eight figure conversations because you're so right. And I think what happens is women get trapped in the like, how do I get my next client? And we get so focused on solving that problem that we don't look toward, you know, what's bigger. And And when we prevent ourselves from having those seven and eight figure conversations, we prevent ourselves from building the wealth that we need to have the influence that we desire. So we need to level up and have those seven, eight figure conversations from the very beginning too. I think that, you know, when you're starting out, right? Like as a small business, you start out, you're like, what am I going to do? What am I good at? You know, and it's all good. Like you got to start somewhere. But I think that, you know, start your business and then read Built to Sell or read Built to Sell and then, you know, start your business because you do want to set up processes and systems that allow you to sort of hand over the work that can be done by other people so that, you know, as as in, I, I went through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, but they say a lot, you know, stop working in your, in your business. business. And work and on work your business. On it. Right. And it's like, what does that mean? But it means thinking about your business as a seven, eight figure business and how do I sell it? And how do I set up? How do I, you know, set up or grow into that type of business? Right. Right. Yeah. And one of the other major takeaways that I took from the book was how to identify that you have a scalable product. And then how do you work yourself out of a job so that you can work on your business? 
And yes. it was so simple. It's like when you get the information, it's like, that makes sense. But you, <laughs> but, you, but you have to go get the information because, again, we're not having these conversations daily. You have to you have to seek out the information and you have to seek out those seven to eight figure conversations. You know, so in the book, it says for each part of the process, if you're a service based business and in this particular business, you know, they gave the case study of a marketing company that specialized in creating logos. So he created a manual that says, this is how you create a logo when you come into my business as my customer. You want a logo? We, we go through process A through Z. And every single process inside of how do you get to that end service, that end product for the, for the end user, it's one person that manages each step along the way. Yeah. Right? And the process and is the same. It's the same process. So then you remove yourself. So now the business yeah. is operating the business is managed and now you position yourself to be performing at your peak, your peak performance, yep. which is not to yep. be managing so many roles. Because when we start out the business and we, we are growing the business, I understand you are playing more than one, more than three roles in your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so more than 30. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels so good to start to relieve yourselves of those jobs and then just where you can go next, you know? Yeah. What I love too is that you're putting that process into place. And again, I like, you know, there's like blame and like recognition and and that's cool, but it's also like, okay, let me take action so that I don't stay in that space of like, I wish it were different. Um, I do tend to like go back to, I wish it were different, but we're not taught, you know, in school to think like that. We're not taught to think in a system way. We're it's it's very individualized and which is great, but we're never taught how to kind of step out of that and create something bigger than ourselves. And what I love also about the this whole idea behind built to sell and this replicable process is that that in itself is valuable to another company that wants to like pull that aspect of your business into theirs to enhance their business. So it's like, it's almost like you're creating a module that could fit right in to yep. something else. Yep. And if sort of anybody can follow the process and get those same type of results, results. that's highly valuable. It is. It is. You've created a process. So we do have to work ourselves out of it. And and I don't think that a lot of women who are starting businesses based on their expertise jump to that quick enough. And so we kind of get stuck at this like this this weird level that's like, you know, we're making anywhere, but like, okay, maybe we can get to six figures by like working really hard and everything. But when you when you have to go from, you know, like a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand, even to to jump to like a three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in revenue, five hundred, you can't you like physically can't Can, work any harder. You can't do it. You can't do it. So if you have that desire to get past a hundred and fifty, maybe two hundred, you could, you know, squeeze out two (laughs) fifty, right? Like, but that's kind of the ceiling. And then you need to do something differently. And I don't think that there's a lot of information that's accessible and that we can understand that allows us to get past that mark. And we have to. We have to. I would say, you know, it took me far too long to figure it out. 
And um, I know that if I would have learned this information sooner, then I would be further along than I am now. Not to complain, but just to say that, like you just said, if you, you have to get access to the information, you have to do it now. And then you have to act on the information. Immediately. Yes. (laughs) Immediately. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this information. I'm like, hey, I wish somebody would have told me this stuff. So I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to, I'm going to get these messages out as I'm learning, scaling, I'm teaching other people the same thing. That's amazing. So how can people get in touch with you? How can they work with you? How can they learn from you? I want you to check out a website um, to my business mastermind, Ashley, that I have. So this conversation was very um, interesting to you, very invigorating for you. And if it was thought provoking, those are the conversations that we have on a daily basis at um, Meetup to Millions Miami Mastermind. So the website Hmm. is actually Meetup, the number two, millions with an S. We're going to get more than one million. Millions. mastermind.com. So that is meetup2milliondsmastermind.com. There at that website, you can learn about a particular program that I just put together, the mastermind, and people could apply to work with me there. And we Mm. are super passionate about working with women CEOs, um, all types of CEOs, really, and being able to scale that business. Like you said, You can make it to five, you can make it to six figures, but at that point beyond there, that's the stuck ceiling. And that's the the problem that we're solving in our mastermind to get you to seven and eight figures so that you can systemize, have these systems in place, automations in place, have the branding in place, have the networks and the funding in place so that you can Mm. scale your business, you can grow your business um, and that you can work on your business rather than in your business. Oh my gosh. I love that so, so much. So we will include all of that in the show notes. And I'm going to check that out too, right after we get off the our, our podcast here, because awesome. it sounds super interesting. You know, even for me, I, I really consider myself to be a lifelong learner. Um, I, I teach, I teach entrepreneurship and business plan development nice. at two different universities. And, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't necessarily teach entrepreneurship, but you can teach sort of the skills that allow you to be, you know, a great, successful, profitable entrepreneur that can scale and sell a business. But I'm, I'm, you know, I love to learn new things about that all the time because there's, you know, for every business, there's a different strategy, there's different right. sort of challenges. And I just, I love the world of entrepreneurship and I love people who are entrepreneurs because we just have a different way of, you know, thinking and talking and being in the world. And I'm really inspired by you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so inspired by you. You have such incredible energy. It just comes through like so clear and bright. So I, I thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing all of your wisdom. And I just can't wait to continue to see everything that you do and all of the people that you help. Absolutely. I had a great time and I know I felt like, dang, you know, the conversation is going extremely well. There's there's so much more to talk about so all much these more. topics. Yeah. So let's for sure keep in touch. I'm happy that everyone And was do able- it again. Come back. We'll talk yeah. about something else. You okay. know, <laughs> this is not a one and done. You are definitely invited back. <laughs> that would be excellent. That would be excellent. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, keeping in touch. I am on LinkedIn, everyone. I'm very active there as well. So my name will be in the show notes, but it's Danielle Page Jeter on LinkedIn, P-A-I-G-E. 
And then I'm very active on Instagram as well at DP Jeter. So there you can just click around. You'll always see the cool stuff that I'm talking about. But yeah, it's been a great, great show. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you. Take care. The She Leads Podcast Network.